Be customer-centric. Listen to the customers, not the investors, because they have conflicting goals. This is SaaS Scaled, the podcast where data meets action, with host Armand Schrocki. Each week, Armand will be sitting down with CEOs and industry leaders from the technology sector, giving you the insight to innovate without reinventing the wheel. They'll discuss challenges, best practices, and how to identify the right metrics. So if you want to get to market faster and in a way that matters, then subscribe and join us every week as we discuss SaaS scale. This episode is brought to you by Curve, the modern no-code analytics solution for SaaS companies on AWS. The tools you need to take action with your data on a platform built for maximum scalability, security, and cost efficiencies. If you're ready to reduce complexity and dramatically lower costs, then contact us today at Curve.com. That's Q-R-V-E-Y.com. Hello, welcome to another episode of SaaS Scaled. I'm pleased to have Chris Wacker with us, CEO of Laserfish. Thank you very much for joining us, Chris. Thank you, Roman. My pleasure. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? I'm a New York transplant in California. I studied at Hofstra University. And when I graduated in 77, I was interested in, in traveling. And I, I figured the, the best way to do that would be to join the U.S. State Department at the U.S. Mission to the U.N. and search for travel opportunities. I was there for a few years and, and really didn't get a chance to travel. So at that time, late, late 70s, uh, early 80s, a lot of wealth was being transferred to the Middle East to OPEC. So I followed that and I went over there, uh, joined Ralph M. Parsons in building a new city on the, on the Red Sea of Saudi Arabia. I accumulated a lot of money and a, a good experience. So I returned to the States with an interest in photography and computer science. From New York, I noticed the technology was really emanating from California and traveling east. So I figured, well, that's the best place to be. So without any immediate demands on my time, I was able to, to travel to California, move to California, and explore opportunities. There, I met a brilliant woman, Ni Ling, my late wife, actually, and she founded a company that would make use of those two technologies in a, a new application. That was called Laserfish. And it allowed these search through all documents that originated as paper for any word or phrase. That really excited me. And so I joined and later married her. And we began offering Laserfish, which had the features of doing full text search across scanned images. Now, that later expanded to what it is today, where we not only offer that functionality, but also process automation. Today, many documents originated electronically so the, the scanning is not so important as it used to be. To expand our company, we began offering process automation, electronic forms, 
workflow, and ultimately data analytics. And that's where, where we are today. We have an army of, of resellers around the world who help us to get into new markets and to offer webinars and trade show support to market our products to customers. And then you have seen uh, during the course of years that you have had this company growing it, the technology underlying the infrastructure and the technology itself, you know, changing and evolving from different, you know, in different areas. Most recently, SaaS has been, you know, changing uh, many things, of course, from the way we utilize the software, the way we consume it, the way we distribute it, the way we sell it, you know, all of those aspects of SaaS. What's your take on SaaS looking at, you know, the landscape and the experience that you have had with, you know, a variety of changes happening in software industry? It's definitely the way of the future because you don't need the massive amount of infrastructure that you had with on-prem applications. That's the principal advantage. Other than that, you have the advantages of the ability to immediately issue or publish or make available updates to the software. We do it on a quarterly basis. And it also allows us to, to troubleshoot very easily the issues that customers are facing. Keep them on the, the current releases at all times. And it has the ability to offer greater security. It offers greater security. And it gives us visibility into the implementations of LaserFish software. It can be thought of as content management and data processing can be thought of as a utility. You know, you just turn it on and pay a monthly bill. There's no, like, upfront large purchase of hardware, no expanding storage for the system. That is all taken care of by us. You just uh, log into it with PCs and you begin work. No other issues. That, for those reasons and others, like when you use iPaaS or RESTful APIs, you can tie in with other cloud-based systems very easily. Those are the, the primary advantages for uh, going to the cloud. And those are, those are big advantages, really. Sure. Of course, we live at a time that, you know, COVID is not finished yet, but it seems that we are back to semi-normal. And that had a very big impact on us, on everything. Uh, it took over two years. And then men changed many things. It went some of the things that we are doing today. It's because of the COVID that changed it for better or worse. So if we look at some of these changes and some of the changes that have been accelerated, some of them are related to SaaS. What do you think really COVID changed that is related to SaaS market in general? Oh, of course. So, and, and that's a very important point. During COVID, so many companies had to work remote and you had to be able to work from any device from anywhere at any time that is a principal advantage that SaaS applications offer you don't have to go to the office to sit behind a desk and log into a uh, 
a database. You can do it from any device anywhere at any time. That's a convenience that I think will, once we've been exposed to it, we can never go back. Really, go back to uh, the nine to five, 40 hours of work week. We just need more flexibility. And this gives us really the ultimate work-life balance, which we practice in our company. We can't go back to the uh, previous practice, really. And when you, for example, look at the digital transformation part of it, right? So from one aspect, you know, we have some problems that uh, we were talking about it. And and it's the result of, for example, you know, supply chain being in trouble and energy costs is moving up. Those are really affecting every single aspect of life. Now, we are going through this kind of digital transformation that tells me Maybe maybe in the digital world, we are relying less than ever on many of these things like energy, for example, right? So it's the dependency might be less than ever, and it might be the trend moving forward. And SaaS is a big part of it because it's the enabler there for people to really go digital and, and use many of these services. Automation might be another Piece, but digital information, you know, so when you have more data digitalized and you have, you're relying on digital processes and digital world, what's your take on it, the way you have seen it, the way you see that it will pan out in the future? Oh, absolutely. And you, you hit on a great point, really, because it's an ill wind that does not benefit somebody. So this digital transformation is allowing us to do so many things without travel but, and saving energy. Just as you mentioned, you know, it, it's the, the e-commerce. You can shop from home and, and get it delivered the next day. I mean, you can visit a, a doctor without having to go see him. And, you know, it, it takes about half a day to, to, to visit a doctor. There are so many advantages to, to marketing. We have a, a annual conference here. In, during the pandemic, we had to, we had to shift to digital. That gave us a lot of advantages. You know, we, we, we could record sessions and they could be viewed on demand. We have resellers all over the world, as far away as South Africa. They could participate without having to travel 22 hours and, you know, without having to go through jet lag and, and take on, uh, you know, the, the expense of uh, hotels and, and travel. It was just much, much more convenient. Of course, there's really no substitute for physical contact, you know, and, and just in-person contact. You know, it's, it's something that, that we will use in the right application at the right time. Before the pandemic, we were uh, planning to go to the city of Santa Clara in Northern California, which is the, uh, the technology center of Silicon Valley. We were making a presentation to them, and we were tying in with uh, video conferencing software. The system we were building for them would include a participation by a video transcription company so that, that those videos would be converted to text and brought into our system and be retrievable through full text search. And it, it was, there were other aspects of it besides that, of course, a lot of process automation. And what we were planning to, to you know, send a, a number of people up there, pre-sales engineers, uh, salespeople, lawyers, 
And then the pandemic struck and we had to cancel it. We had to cancel the trip, but we still had the meeting, but it was virtual. So we saved in so many ways. We had, you know, no one, no one had to travel. So there was that expense saved. No one had to, you know, go through lodging. You know, they were able to, to save the time that they would have traveled as well as the money. And they just got to the point a lot more quickly. Now that, you know, we'll, we'll be doing in the future for certain. That's one of the benefits of the uh, digital transformation. Yeah, absolutely. So there are many things that uh, either SaaS or maybe the pandemic or the recent, you know, changes in pricing and economic kind of situation might have changed. But there are many things that uh, it hasn't changed and still is the same as before and it will never change maybe. And if you have a software company and you are in head of the software company, you are managing software company, I don't think the principles have changed regardless of if you are a SaaS leader versus, you know, you had a on-prem software company in the past and you had it. And I would like for you to, you know, talk a little bit about that part that from your experience, if, you know, for somebody who's not, has not experienced yet, and I meet with those kind of people almost every week in the Bay Area, there are many of those great talents they are just coming and wanted to start their own SaaS companies. And there are many great ideas out there. And every week, every day, there are many of these founders that are starting their company. What are some of those principles that you would say doesn't matter if it was before or today or tomorrow? Still, you have to stick to some of these in order to have a very successful team and very good, robust software business that clients can rely on and essentially trust their services and products. Choose the, the, the best technologies and the best platform and be customer centric. Listen to the customers, not the investors, because they have conflicting goals. And we, we are a private company, so we have no outside venture capital. So we focus on customers only. And th that's why we have a, uh, oh, Gartner gives us a 96% positive peer reviews. With, with technology as the focus, you can choose the best platform. We've developed a, uh, an on-prem uh, solution, and actually, we still sell it today, and it's, it's uh, one of our, our, our prime products. But when we went to the cloud seven-plus years ago, we had to redesign and uh, offer a, a multi-tenant cloud platform to really take full advantage of the, the internet, of, of the cloud, of uh, software as a service. Also, work with, with the best talent you can find out there. That, that's important. And you mentioned uh, short-term versus long-term, and that has been a very big differentiator in different companies. I have seen great companies but at the beginning, when you looked at them, they may not looked like great because they have been building the foundation and it's slow to build a great thing. But then they had the great foundation to really go and do something great versus I have seen very fast growth, especially in the Silicon Valley. I have seen fast growth at the beginning 
but then it didn't pan out to be really the greatest at the end. So the pace that you go with, the kind of long-term vision versus looking at it very short-term, it plays a big role when you really are running a software company, especially on the software world. You know, you cannot just build something overnight. It takes time. It takes thinking. As you said, you need to listen to your customers. You need to really digest all of that information, create better insight, analyze it, then take the action, design it, architect it, build it, test it, productize it, go out. And all of these things take time and energy. So how can a SaaS company starting today understand and do the long-term rather than just looking short-term goals that are being pushed by the market, investors, everybody else, Rightfully, they need the output and nobody in the world has unlimited time. So understandably, there has to be a time frame. But what is that kind of where to draw the line to say you need to, you know, have a timeline in place, but you need to also think long term rather than be very short term thinker and jeopardize your future? Yes, yes, that's a very good point. And the, the cloud has really been kind of a disruptive technology. It's come, up, it's come upon us very quickly. So in order to, to get into it and, you know, have a long-term staying power, a startup would, would need capital, really. The only way to, to get that would be to go to the capital markets. There is no shortage of them out there. With interest rates as low as they are, although they're starting to rise now for some inexplicable reason, in, in my opinion, in, in order to, to get staying power, as, as you mentioned, you really need to have a solid financial foundation. We're a bootstrap company. We, we got started from uh, a custom uh, software company on, on mainframes and then to minis and then to PCs. We didn't raise capital uh, to invest in, in, in a process, invest in a company. We, we had a, a, a small company and we just expanded it and we grew it organically rather than through mergers or acquisitions. However, you know, to, to get into it quickly, you'd need financial capital. But, but that comes at a price because then you, you have investors who, well, they give you a little time, but when, you know, you if you don't meet their their expectations after a few years, they begin to to step in and and manage your business or help you manage it. And they, they really, you know, they, they dictate things. In doing so, you lose your your independence and your ability to focus on the customers. So that that's a kind of a hard question, really. There are a lot of companies that that and and hedge fund companies also that you know they, they work together but most of them they don't develop solid products and they, they don't have they don't have customer bases which then expand it, it's hard it really is you, you, you do have to have a, a a solid foundation and a long-term sustainability really yeah so based on what i hear from you you say the main reason that maybe a founder may not afford to be long-term kind of, you know, planner or something mostly is because you need capital to grow. And if you are taking capital, it comes with a timetable 
attached to it. And then you have to, the whole idea behind getting the capital is to show acceleration because otherwise, you know, it's just organic growth that takes time. And if you are trading that taking capital from institutional investor versus growing on your own, that takes longer time, then you are essentially promising to shorten time. And then you are on that acceleration path. So it's just a matter of adjusting it right. So at least the expectations you know, are practical and pragmatic on both sides. So it seems like the best solution is just to you know, have the on both sides, the investor side as well as the company side and customer side, everyone, it's best for all to have a kind of more pragmatic timeline in place that can work out. If the timeline is not done right, then it's either overpromised on one side or the other side. So customer may have a different expectation of the delivery time or investors may have a different expectation of return on investment they have made or company and the team may have a different timeline that happens all the time. And it's very, very hard to predict the future and say, this is the exact timeline I'm on it. So for most part, it's impossible to really have the exact timeline, but it's about how good we are as founders, as CEOs, as executives, as you know, people who are managing these companies to be able to you know, go with a timeline that is more closer to reality. That's exactly right. In my experience, really. I get approached like twice a day by hedge fund managers. I politely express you know, that we're not interested in them. Uh, we're not interested in that. If I were to you know, say, well, uh, yes, let, let me have uh, some money. I'll take your investment. Then they'll come up with ideas and merge uh, suggestions and rather insistent often that, you know, we, we consider a integrating this other uh, uh, software company's technology into ours. And then it doesn't quite fit, you know, and, and that leads to an unhappy customer experience. And ultimately, you know, that's the company kind of dissolves. I've seen that happen with a lot of, a lot of several companies, and we just don't want to go that route. I mean, it, it's just, and we don't have to. We, we, we've, we've done the hard work, and we, we have a customer base. But without that, I think, you know, we, we would be tempted. You know, one aspect you are looking at it as a mathematical problem to solve, and just it's a, a spreadsheet that you can maximize. And that's one expertise that someone from financial world look at it and then look at that spreadsheet that says, hey, I can immediately, I can see the opportunity here to double the profit or increase it or something like that, just looking at it mathematically, but might be short term. And then someone else look at it longer term and say, well, if we wanted to really serve this market for long term and we need these customers to be satisfied and happy, and it's not just double it next year, but then what about the next five years or the next 10 years? So sometimes, again, it goes back to short-term optimization versus long-term optimization. Look at it as a mathematical kind of things in the spreadsheet or look at it as a people interaction that customers are people, employees are people, everybody needs to find the right balance to go forward. And I personally think that we as human beings, as a society, as 
you know, a group of people, we are better off to think long term, even if short term may look more attractive. But if you are thinking about having a more advanced society, a well leveled, balanced society for our children, for generations to come, we need to probably think a little bit more about what's good in long run rather than what is good in the next two years. Oh, absolutely. And that's, that's what we're all about, really. We have a very large uh, customer base. I, we, I think we have like about over 5 million licensed users and about uh, 10,000 installations. And those, those grow based on customer satisfaction. The installations expand and their productivity is increased. And we, we are, you know, we, we gain market share. So it, it works for, for all. And we're also able to attract talented people, which is kind of a challenge these days, you know, with this great uh, resignation. It's a challenge to attract and retain talented people. Yeah, no, that's great. So companies like, you know, uh, yours, like Laserfish, and, you know, that's really, again, long-term kind of thinkers, the way they see it. And those, to me, are you know, the ones that are really keeping this society in a healthy style with it, from employees, from customers looking, from the whole business that is creating something that is in long term is kind of, you know, valid and it's just going forward. And the more companies like that is going to be more beneficial to, you know, that, that community in my view. So definitely I welcome and I appreciate what, you know, the, the, the way of thinking longer term. Uh, for customers. Uh, that never hurts. That always helps. Not just financially, but helps in a very much longer kind of, you know, respect. So Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, and of course, SaaS accelerates, no, no doubt. Nobody's against when you can do something faster, let's do faster. And SaaS brings those kind of benefits that essentially, you know, saves you time from deployment. It saves you time from uh, maybe even onboarding, customers can get started faster. It's easier for them. So no no doubt, and, and we should do our best to save time. But nonetheless, it's good to have designing that software with customers in mind for long term. That's great. I would like to ask you also about, at this point, if there are some, uh, maybe a book you can recommend, maybe if there is any uh, particular writer or a publication that you would say this is beneficial and and has been beneficial to you and has had positive impact and you may want to recommend it to to the audience as well there's a lot of good literature out there one that comes to mind immediately is one i read uh, a few years ago uh, ray kurzweil the singularity is near and it talks about the merger between human intelligence and machine intelligence. And, you know, we, we see it so often uh, today, and everything is being automated from office uh, processes that, like we do, to hamburger flipping at uh, fast food restaurants, to autonomous vehicles. So it, everything is, is going to be automated. It's just a matter of time and, and to what degree. That's one. But one that I read recently was more about company operations. 
And that was entitled No Rules Rules by Reed Hastings. And what he says in that, it's, it's well, it's, he says a lot of things, but his thesis is that uh, by if, if you're able to attract great talent and develop talent densities within organizations, then you can develop uh, candor and trust among, among staff and management, between staff and management. And then from there, you can relax the rules. And you can really uh, develop a, a, a very talented and productive organization by practicing that. It's a goal, and it's one that he suggests, and, and I, I accept and agree, that you must always strive to develop that, develop talent densities. Because that, that really, not only do they, are they you know, very productive people, but they're, they're dedicated and, and, and motivated to do things right. That's a fun type of organization to lead. <laughs> no, that's very interesting. I haven't read it, but definitely sounds super interesting. I will go ahead and just either listen to it or read it. No rule, rules. Yes, correct. Yeah. It's, it's about uh, Netflix. Netflix, no rules, rules. It's what he, he did at Netflix. You know what, uh, Armin? I'd like to tell you about uh, a little bit about our uh, efforts to be a good corporate citizen. In Long Beach, for example, uh, we work with the, the Long Beach government in, in two areas. One, we are involved in the Long Beach Economic Partnership. The task force that we're involved in is bridging the digital divide. And that is, you know, at this time, you know, there are some folks that really accumulate massive amounts of money, you know, billions of dollars. We're raising money. We, we've raised money from the Apostle Group and the Knight Foundation to purchase devices for those organizations or those, those people on the other side of the, of the digital divide to give them access to the Internet and get them involved in the information error, uh, the uh, ability to, to access, you know, to see environments outside of their own neighborhoods and to, to uh, realize that there really is a lot of opportunity out there rather than just the, the, limited, the very limited communities that they, they're uh, involved in. And, and that is something that uh, we're doing it will benefit a lot of people and lift them out of their current environments, which are not productive. And there, there's, you know, so many opportunities out there available to those that are that are internet savvy. So that, that's uh, what we're one thing we're involved in. One project. Another is working with the Long Beach Prosecutor's Office, Doug Halbert, with his on his Guides program, and Guides stands for Government User integrated diversion and enforcement system government user integrated diversion and enforcement system and it, in, in southern california throughout california we have a great homelessness problem with this uh system what doug halbert has done is to put together information on the homelessness on, on the homeless uh, encampments and then tie those into professionals who are able to to, who are trained to deal with their with the the specific issues of the homeless, you know, some have uh, substance abuse issues, others have mental limitations, and then others are just down on their luck. 
So right now, the only option is to first responders, usually the police, to either move them along or lock them up. And neither of those is productive. What this uh, guides program does is to connect those people, the homeless, with the services, the government services and private sector services, NGOs, that can address their, their issues and resolve their problems. It is a, a program uh, designed to integrate them, deal with their issues, and integrate them back into the community. Or, you know, just, just uh, treat them as necessary, uh, as their needs dictate. We do that in addition to serving the private sector, I mean, and also many users of our products. Yeah, thanks much for doing this and thanks much for sharing this with us because that's inspiring. When I speak with people, with the long-term thinkers, they are the ones who most think about helping others and helping each other because I think that's the very kind of, again, long-term thinking. That's the way that, that's the only way in my view that, you know, in long-term, we can have a better community as human being and uh, there is no other way around it i mean that's the best and the only way that we can guarantee a bright future for all of us and for the next generations to come to be helpful to each other so that's great uh, absolutely absolutely yeah and then uh, just one other book that i read and can recommend is one by walter isaacson the innovators and in that he says that after the second world war there were many women involved in computer programming. Now, since then, they've, they've sort of been marginalized in technology. They're, they're very much underrepresented. So we are involved in a program, Girls Who Code. It's a, a resource, a, a much underutilized resource, the women, females in society today. And they're very talented, and they're often overlooked, they're, they're marginalized. Girls Who Code addresses that issue. And I read uh, uh, in the book that they're, they're very talented. And I know from personal experience, my late wife was a brilliant programmer. Her code would still be running today if, if you know the, if the machines were, were still around. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Chris. It was a pleasure speaking with you. So I appreciate your time. Well, thank you, Armand. Thank you for listening to SaaS Scaled with Arman Ishragi. For show notes and any resources mentioned in today's episode, go to sasscaled.com. If you're enjoying our show, give us a five-star review and share on LinkedIn. And be sure to subscribe for any updates on future episodes. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Curve, the modern no-code analytics solution for SaaS companies on AWS. The tools you need to take action with your data on a platform built for maximum scalability, security, and cost efficiencies. If you're ready to reduce complexity and dramatically lower costs, then contact us today at Curve.com. That's Q-R-V-E-Y dot com.